All right, time for Keith Baldry, Baldry's Beat, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Happy Friday. Okay, happy Friday to you. So let's get into this Surrey policing oh mess here now. <laughs> what a mess. Oh, my goodness. So now this whole thing had been dumped in Mike Farnworth's lap. I guess he had to make the call. And do he, they do they let the city keep the RCMP, or do you keep going down, down the road? He's punted it down the road. Uh, I think in talking to him, it was clear the... Uh, information and statistics and dollars that were coming from the pro-RCMP side and the pro-Surrey police side were completely contradictory and different. And I think they've taken the view, we don't believe either of you when it comes to this. So now you're going to have his ministry, which consists of a lot of former officers. There's a lot of ex-RCMP officers and police officers in the public safety ministry are going to take what they consider to be an independent look at what the numbers are. So it's a fascinating situation where, on the one hand, does the municipality have the autonomous right to determine who is their police force, which is um, Brenda Locke's position. Farnworth has a different statutory responsibility. He has to ensure that no matter what a a municipality feels, he has to ensure there is a a proper level of safety afforded the citizens of that municipality. Um, before he signs off on it. So a municipality under the Police Act could theoretically have Tom, Dick, and Harry's police force as their police force, if that's what the council wanted. But if the the minister can say, no, you can't do that because Tom, Dick, and Harry doesn't provide the proper level of service that this other police force does. So it's a fascinating situation, and I'm not sure how it's going to be resolved. Okay, let's have a listen to Farnworth here speaking yesterday, saying he needs more time, more information to sort this out. Here's what he had to say. This is the largest RCMP detachment in the country and is certainly the most complex and largest transition, I would suggest, in the history of the province. Going back is, 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 is as I said, it's not like Swiss putting on a switch, you know, off and on. Uh, it's very complex uh, because you've got the work that's been done to date. Uh, you've got all the human resource issues. Yeah, I th- was reading, my read of him earlier was that he seemed to be leaning toward continuing with the transition to a local police force. I think you had the same sort of yep. feeling on it, too. I, and, and Yeah, and part of that feeling is I think there's not really... I, I know the government is not impressed with Brenda Locke's arguments and the stuff that they've sent them. But it doesn't mean that that's not going to be the decision to stay with the RCMP. But there's been a lot of skepticism attached to Surrey's position yeah. that seems to be getting weaker as the Surrey Police Services seems to be getting stronger. The other thing he's got, I think you've got a number of uh, Surrey MLAs who are, think it's too far gone down the road. A couple other MLAs want a referendum. Yeah. I haven't heard any uh, NDP MLA back Brenda Locke's position. So you've got that caucus uh, dynamic at play here <coughs> as well. And you've got also the fact, and you, you know, I talked about this earlier, there's a union yeah. involved in the Surrey Police Services. And, you know, I know Harry Baines, the Labor Minister, doesn't want to be the guy that supports a position that suddenly decertifies an increasingly large union. Yeah. Let's have, okay, speaking of Brenda Locke, the Surrey mayor, of course, she wants to keep the RCMP in Surrey. Let's have a listen to what she had to say. You'll also hear Surrey City Councillor Linda Annis here in this clip. Have a listen. The city has made a decision. That decision was made to maintain the RCMP as a police of jurisdiction moving forward. We will do that. The number one issue right now for me is for the men and women that are serving our community and providing public safety for us. The degree of uncertainty is horrible. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of uncertainty mm-hmm. here for both sides. I mean, this is frustrating on both sides. <laughs> and it's going to continue for a while. A little later in Brenda Locke's news conference, it's interesting. She really p- didn't pivot, but shifted to it's Surrey against the world. 
So she is now, at the end of the news conference, she's talked about how the bureaucrats in Victoria don't have um, their feet on the ground in Syria. They don't understand this. So nobody tells, nobody's going to push Syria around. Syria's going to decide what Syria wants. So she's very much framing this as sort of Syria against these big bad forces that uh, want to deny their right to determine their their uh, police force. Yeah, and th that was also kind of evident in the clip we just heard where she said, you know, we've decided to keep mm -hmm. the RCMP and that's what we're going to do. And it's like, well, hang on a sec. This is not your call. This is Farnworth's call at the end of the day, is it not? I mean, the well, province owns the hammer here. It does. <clears throat> Under the police act, the, the municipality has gets to determine who their police force is. But I think overriding that is a, a greater legislative or statutory responsibility, which is the minister gets yeah. has to be comfortable or certain that whatever the police force is, it is a proper police force in terms of providing the proper levels of safety for the residents of that munis municipality. As the RCMP numbers become weaker and the Surrey Police uh, Service numbers become greater, is does that suddenly flip things, that um, the Surrey Police provide a higher level of safety than the a diminishing RCMP force. Meanwhile, you've got Surrey taxpayers kind of stuck in the middle of this. Now, we effectively have kind of like two parallel police services well, going got, right now. Brenda Locke has said that they'll increase property taxes by 55%, which Whoa, is staggering. What? If they were to fund what she says would be a $235 million shortfall for funding the Surrey police. That works out to $1,200 a household. $7,700 oh. a business, according to um, published reports on this. So that's a massive tax increase. And she'll try to hang that on the provincial government. And then you've got Surrey MLAs, uh, uh, who of which there's nine seats. One more is going to be added for the next elections, so yeah. 10. So that's a very, very important region on the provincial election uh uh, level come the next election and it'll be interesting i'm not sure brenda Locke can suddenly hang a 55 percent increase on the provincial government 100 percent well I think a lot of taxpayers are going to take it out on her well shouldn't farnworth though just get on with it like why can't he just make a decision here well again based on our discussion with him yesterday they don't trust the numbers that come from either side they want to take a, a closer deeper dive into this but I agree with Linda Annis and Brenda Locke. You know, time is of the essence. Yeah. It's, it's, you you got to move quickly on this thing. I'm not, again, we've been given no timeline on what to expect. Okay, get set to call me on that. Um, I want to ask you about LNG Canada and the second phase of the project and the uncertainty around this now. Because after the company had said, well, you know, we don't have electricity, mm -hmm. enough electricity up here. So when we build the second phase of this mega project here, we're going to have to power these turbines by burning natural gas. That's going to pump a whole ton of emissions into the atmosphere and obliterate, potentially, the province's emission targets here. So now EB was asked about this earlier in the week. He gave a very unclear answer mm -hmm. about whether he, he supports on the completion hand, of this project. On one hand, on the other hand, type of yeah. answer. He's saying, like, well, we need investment in jobs, but, you know, on the other hand, we got climate change, so I don't know. It's a very <laughs> muddled response. It is. Now, we had a, a debate on this issue earlier on the show. Ellis Ross, Liberal MLA, very supportive of the project. Adam Olson, Green Party MLA, very much opposed to it, and it got quite heated. And here is Ellis Ross going after this Green MLA, saying, look, look, this project is supported by First Nations. So have a listen to what he had to say here. That is really easy to say when you're in down, down the southern portion of Vancouver Island where jobs are not a priority. When First Nations are suffering through poverty well, and actually committing suicide because they don't have a future, when they don't have any access to any type of... Uh, uh, opportunity like every the rest of bc or canada for that matter well 
Ellis has been making these points for some time. So LNG Canada has the well, 16 First Nations have secured uh, benefits agreements with LNG Canada. Ellis Ross is will walk you through the poverty in a number of these communities in the Northwest where they don't they have no electricity, um, no safe drinking water. This is seen as an economic lifeline. Sure. For a number of them. Also, the uh, Heisla First Nation, of which Ellis is a former chief, uh, has its own um, LNG project, the Cedar Project, uh, separate from LNG Canada. You've got the Nishka also has its own LNG uh, project on the books. So there's the the wrinkle here, or not a wrinkle, a, a real fascinating complication is this is not just simply climate change targets versus industry. You've also got First Nations interest involved here in a very high level at a time when the United Nations, when UNDRIP, the United Nations Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People, is now enshrined in law, where First Nations have to be listened to. And they don't have a veto, but they just cannot be ignored. And they've got signed contractual agreements. So LNG Canada right now has already spent $4 billion in contracts. $3 billion of that have been signed with Indigenous businesses. Wow. Now, that's just the initial first phase. It's overall, if they get to the second phase and subsequent phases, a $40 billion investment, which is the largest in Canadian history. Then on the other side, you've got these climate change uh, emission target goals, emission reduction, which a lot of people think are sort of unattainable. No country's made its goals. Well, you'd never attain them if they build this thing powered by natural gas, though. Which bring, No, which brings into question yeah. something that's been kicked around for a long time. Vaughn Palmer's got a piece on it today in the sun. Yeah. Um, BC Hydro building a transmission line to send electricity, yeah. which they've talked about doing for 10 years, and they haven't done it. But the government can direct BC Hydro to do it. It would be very expensive, and it would take some time. But I think that's the ultimate solution, is to provide electricity to LNG Canada down the road. But they're going to have to begin initially with natural gas uh, fueled. Well, I wonder if that is EB's exit here, that he would so. place an order to BC Hydro, let's go, start yeah. building that transmission line up there, even though that could cost how many hundreds of millions of dollars? Well, Hydro spends vast amounts of money every year on capital projects, yeah. upgrading their existing structure of dams and transmission lines. Um, and generation facilities. If you look at the government's budget, there's a whole page in the back dedicated to BC Hydro's projects. I mean, they're yeah. spending a gargantuan amount of money just because they have to. And it's not debt that's on, this is self-supported debt. It's not your typical debt. So I don't think there's anything stopping the government from telling Hydro, get going, build that transmission line. Aldry's beat, lots of phone calls. Go right to them. Ed in Surrey. Hi, Ed, go ahead. Oh, hi, guys. Um, I'll go quickly because i got a couple of points. Um, going back to the police policing study that was done a little while ago, which the NDP appear to support, um, not going forward with the Surrey Police Service will effectively be the end of uh, provincial police, which is a bit of pie in the sky anyway, but slightly more realistic is a metro police force, and that will end the metro police uh, idea because it won't be a simple patch over some of the smaller RCMP uh, detachments, fine, that'll be a transition. But if Surrey stays RCMP, that's going to put a kibosh in a lot of stuff. And depot is still a huge bottleneck for manpower. And that $230 million that's been promised to the RCMP for redeployment uh, is a factor as well. Thanks very much. Thank you. Yeah, one of the things that um, Farmers Ministry is going to be looking at, is the RCMP plan contingent on getting RCMP members from other areas? Uh, fl- farmers has flagged that as a concern before. You cannot weaken another area of uh, of Metro Vancouver by shifting RCMP resources into into Surrey to make up 
uh, any shortfall for people leaving. Okay, and that again would signal his potential preference to keep going forward with the Surrey Municipal Police Department. Yeah, you know, if I, had a, if I had a bet on this, I'd think it's like a 55-45 split in favor of the Surrey Police Force. Yeah, that's kind of my that's read mine. on that's it, too. I, I thought read. that's the way he was leaning on it. Rob in Chilliwack. Hi, Rob. Go ahead. Morning, guys. Where do you get those numbers from about that percentage? I, you know, Farnworth, that guy, he's, I'm sorry, but he's weak. He says he's in charge of public safety. Okay, so you got to make a decision, Mike. And did it not, did it not raise red flags with him when, when Doug McCallum, the previous mayor, was having meetings, kicking people out behind closed doors? The fact of the matter is, people of Surrey are going to be on the hook for more money. It's a fact. It will happen. Mm-hmm. City police officers make more money. They're going to be on the hook for a larger portion of the pension. And that's, I mean, that's just a fact. So, so, so you, so you there, you therefore think that Farnworth should say keep the RCMP. Well, is that, well I think he, that's what I think he should do. But, yeah. but I don't know what is the guy doing? Is he? I mean, is he out there taking a poll himself for this? You know, in Surrey, like what is well, the guy doing? He well, what is, so he doing? what is he doing? What is he doing? Well, he's waiting for these these sides, both sides. Well, three sides: City Hall, RCMP, and Surrey Police to get their act, get a report in. Uh, the reports are all contradictory, so I so think he's not he, happy with the information is no, being provided. Exactly. So he wants more information, and his it's not just Farmworth; it's his experts within the ministry want so, to but see now more. He's, but now he's assigning his own staff to do their own report. Yeah. Is so that the right? director of police okay. services, who's a former RCMP officer, said they're not satisfied with the the accuracy of the information that have come in on which to base a decision. Oh, man. Mike and Vernon. Hi, Mike. What do you think? Morning, guys. So, what do I think? Uh, well, first of all, in LNG, yeah, I'm 100% yeah. in favor of that. Let's get it done. And Elias Ross, every time he comes on, I'm just so impressed with how, how well he, he puts his points forward. Um, Surrey. So, uh, my family lived in Surrey well over 100 years and pioneers there. We left four years ago, and, and I am so glad we got out. It is such a dog's breakfast, what's going on there now. And, and I really believe the taxpayers are going to pay for this. Regardless yeah. of which service comes in, it's been so poorly handled that it's just yeah. going to cost taxpayers. But, you know, one thing I kind of chuckle about is McCallum said that he's going to show, when he puts this in place, it's going to be a model for the world. Yeah, it's a model for the world, all right, on how not to do something. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, I think there's a lot of unforeseen circumstances. I don't think anybody foresaw where we're at right now when this thing was set in motion. Fit in one more call. Peter and Kamloops. Peter, you got 30 seconds here. Yeah, hi, Mike. Hi, Keith. Um, my point is we do, uh, regarding LNG, we do have to be good stewards of the planet. And I think we can best do that by fixing, helping to fix our broken economy and shipping natural gas to China and India and mm-hmm. help them to stop burning coal. Like, well, that's the plan. That's the plan. That's the argument, that the counter-argument from the industry is saying, look, LNG, natural gas is a heck of a lot better than burning coal, and we're going to replace coal in China, Korea, and such with a, a, a lower uh, emissions. But it's still it's going to be a, an interesting problem for EB to solve. Keith, thanks a lot. Have a great weekend.